India is a very chaotic but beautiful country. If you are a candidate who can just put aside the prejudices that you have, you should come and visit India. You are listening to Our People Abroad, Nuffolk's podcast series in which journalist Mike Cooper interviews the directors and chief representatives of the 10 NESOs, Netherlands Education Support Offices, around the world. The directors talk to Mike about their lives overseas and their work for the Dutch higher education sector. The Netherlands Education Support Offices are located in countries that are strategically important for Dutch higher education. Brazil, China, India, Indonesia, Mexico, Russia, South Africa, South Korea, Turkey and Vietnam. They were set up with funding from the Dutch Ministry of Education, Culture and Science. In this edition of Our People Abroad, we talk to Anwesha Majundar, Chief Representative of Neso India, situated in Bangalore. This interview was recorded in June 2019. Shortly afterwards, much to our regret, we received news that we will need to scale back our overseas activities. This change is a consequence of the proposed decision by the Dutch Ministry of Education, Culture and Science to significantly reduce the subsidy provided to Nuffik. My name is Mike Cooper. And on behalf of Nuffik, I am interviewing our people abroad. This is our second edition, and I am pleased to be talking to Anwesha Majumdar, Chief Representative of NESO India, which means that she's the lead person in the office. She's been in this position for about a year, but before that worked as Education Promotion Officer for NESO India. Her experience in international education comes from a background of eight years in education, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Welcome, Majumdar. Well, thank you so much, Mike. You've brought along a special audio fragment for us, which we should put us right in the heart of India. Could, could we just listen to that for a second? Sure, sure. Sounds a bit familiar. What was that exactly we were listening to? <laughs> well, it's the beautiful chaos that India has to offer, I would say. We could hear sounds of the busy streets, the mm -hmm. traffic, the vendors, uh, you know, busy with their business, regular business. So that's India for you. Street sounds, busy streets. Yeah. So you're from the, from in the city of Bangalore. True, true. Yeah. Is that, uh, does that, is that what makes you feel at home when you're walking through a busy streets like this? Absolutely. I mean, uh, there are two ways to look at it. Uh, one way is uh, when I when I walk into the busy streets, when I see people working so hard, it really inspires me uh, to also, uh, you know, be very dedicated in what I'm doing. And the next thing is, it also makes me feel very home because that's where I was born, I was brought up and busy street is very synonymous to India. Right. Are you from Bangalore yourself? No, no, I'm, I'm from the eastern part of India, to be more specific, from Calcutta. Uh -huh. uh, but I moved to Bangalore because of Nafik Neso. Uh, ah, great. So, yeah. Um, where do you actually live? How long does it take you to actually get to the office in the morning? 
Well, that's a very tricky question because Bangalore oh. is also very infamous uh, for its traffic situation, ah. which can be maddening. Uh, so the, the the best thing to do is you stay very close to your workplace. So when I moved to Bangalore, I immediately started looking for a place which is very close to my office. Right. So I take a metro. Uh, it's an air-conditioned metro. It has a women's coach, coach dedicated coach. So it's very comfortable, convenient. So I walk uh, to the metro station, which takes me, what, approximately five minutes. And then by metro, it's three stops away. And then I walk to my office. So that's my regular right. journey back So that's quite a, quite a normal commute then, really? It is. Half an hour, three quarters of an hour, max, door to door? Door to door would be 20 minutes, oh, much wow. lesser than that. That's top luxury. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, and in debt is. <laughs> yeah. What brought you to NASO? What brought you to NASO India? Um... Uh, various reasons, but uh, the, the the primary reason why I moved to uh, NASO uh, because I was working uh, in British Council and I was looking after scholarships as a program manager there. Uh, but I always wanted to be in Netherlands because I was extremely, uh, how do I say it? I was extremely overwhelmed by, by the uh, advancement that Netherlands had to offer. And when I was in college, I did apply. And that was, that's a long story. I'm not <laughs> getting into it. Uh, but to cut the long story short, uh, since I couldn't make it then, right. uh, I started looking for opportunities in Netherlands, in India, ah. and how I can help both the countries, you know, further strengthen education, particularly. Right. And that's when this opportunity came up and I applied and I got uh, the position of education promotion officer. Ah, that's great. How so I you got your revenge <laughs> by getting this job on, on, on a previous uh, ambition. Uh, I would say it's a destiny. I was, I was meant to be here. I wouldn't put it as a revenge, uh, but it's, it was, I, I was meant to be here uh, for some reason. Right, yeah. nice. We mentioned there earlier your, your eight years of experience in education. Could you give us a little, little fly past in, in, in your experience? Because you've had some very challenging and interesting jobs in education, I believe. True, true. Uh, so I started off uh, in the year 2011 uh, or 2010 and then, yeah, 11 as a uh, as a school teacher in a marginalized school uh, in India, uh, I was part of this organization known as Teach for India, and I was a full-time teacher there. And that kind of opened my eyes uh, to the uh, harsh realities that many of the uh, children face in India. Right. Uh, and being an Indian myself, I was so detached from reality. And that also made me realize that how important education is to the life of not just us as individuals, but overall in India as community and across the globe. And then I wanted to explore the education landscape further. And then I started working uh, in a CSR organization in Mumbai. Uh, after that, I further started, wanted to work at the grassroots in India. Right. And I worked with NGOs and with, uh, 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 you know, children uh, who did not get a good uh, livelihood, like children who were scavenging in the streets, uh, right. who were beggars. Tough, tough kids with a very tough situation. Yes. But what I realized from that situation is as an adult, you have to unlearn to learn because what they know, what children know is way, way much more, especially the children who have faced the realities of life, which mm -hmm. we have been detached from, is very different from how we see a life. Could you just explain that a little bit more? You have to unlearn yeah. what you learn. Could you yeah. give us an example? So most of my children were first generation schoolgoers back then. Right. And uh, their sense of possibility was huge. And for, for me, coming from a metro city in Calcutta, 
my sense of possibility and my confidence was somewhere still not very steady. But when these children interacted and spoke about, you know, their ambitions, their dreams, their desires, I just got the sense that, you know, you, you have to dream big to make it happen. Right. And these students, let me remind you again, are first generation school goers. And now when I speak to them, because I'm in touch with uh, some of my children and, and they are now in nine grades or 10 grades. And I started off as second graders. They were in second grade when I taught them. Now when I speak to them, they talk in crisp English and, and they tell me that, you know, I'm going to come and take you around. And in English, they say that way. Right. So that kind of opened my also sense of possibility that things are possible if you are dedicated, passionate and so these kids actually taught you yep. about broadening your horizons. Yes. Wow, that's fascinating. Yes, yes. And that kind of helped me to broaden my horizon for sure. <laughs> oh, great. Excellent. Excellent. Um, we don't know so much about India. We have a kind of tourist office uh, view of the country. Could you sketch for us a little bit about your daily life in, in Bangalore? Ah, mm, daily life in Bangalore is uh, going to work. I... I have a pet. Uh, so if I, if I talk about my personal life, mm -hmm. uh, so I just got married. Uh, legally, I got married two and a half years ago. This is really funny. huh? Uh, two and a half years ago, I got legally married, but I did not do any social reception, which is like feeding oh, people. That's not I, allowed. Uh, or <laughs> within the family, I mean. Within the family, yeah. I mean, but we are all educated and liberal and progressive. So I said that I don't want to do it. I don't want to waste my money. <laughs> I know. I feel you. I feel you. But um, my parents were after my life and they were like, you should get the social reception thing out of your way because otherwise they are not being able to tell this to their, you know, relatives that I'm married, right. which was getting awkward. And finally in December, uh, we did the social reception. Uh, it happened. And yeah, after that, uh, my husband was in Calcutta and I moved to Bangalore. And for the past one year, we were living like that. And India, the distance is huge. The right. length and the breadth of the country. is. So pretty. how far is it from Calcutta to Bangalore? Uh, Kilometre-wise, should be more than 1,000 kilometres. Wow, yeah. yeah. So you need to take a flight or a train, yeah. Uh, and then I convinced my husband that this is what I want to do. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. Would you be willing to move to Bangalore? And he said yes. And we adopted a dog also meanwhile and he said that let's all make Bangalore our home. And that's how it happened. And yeah, now it's going pretty smooth, going to work. My husband is at home. Nice. But he's working. He's yeah. also working. <laughs> yeah, but cool. Well, congratulations on your official social marriage. Yeah. yeah. And uh, great that you've uh, managed to uh, find a nice base in Bangalore. Yeah. Um, Neso India, could you sketch for us a little bit about what you're working on there right now? Currently with Neso India, there are some uh, very high-profile uh, visits happening. So there are some, you know, uh, state visits happening because now our objective is uh, to send quality students from India to the Netherlands yes. and not just the quantity. We are not focused. We are not running after numbers, which means we are always working with the government, both from the Dutch side and the Indian government side to bring the Indian parties together with the Dutch parties and engage them in education work. Right. Uh, just to bring back, you know, to the point that I was trying to mention is in October, there is this big uh, visit happening and Nafik is leading in, in the knowledge mission, uh, which means a lot of Dutch universities have signed up for the visit. Yeah. And we are, we are curating, organizing some education activities around it 
to showcase, to position the Dutch higher education in India and also in Netherlands. Right. I was going to say also in the Netherlands, because presumably it's also an interesting proposition for students from the Netherlands uh, who want to uh, engage yep. in uh, some kind of activities, semi-commercial or educational in India. Is that correct? Correct. So, yes, it has to be a two-way street. Yes. Uh, we are just not looking at sending Indian students to Netherlands because particularly if you ask me, I feel it is so important in today's time for everybody to get a global international exposure. Absolutely. Uh, which means Dutch students also needs to come to other countries. I'm sure they are doing that, but maybe they should do that all the more to in, in India because India is a growing, developing economy. Right. right. And they should get in touch with you then. Yes, yes. Uh, if I if I may just take this opportunity to mention that currently we are working with Infosys. It's a multinational Indian organization spread across the globe. And uh, they have this amazing flagship internship program known as InSteps. Right. And it's a completely paid program and they want Dutch students to come and intern with them. Is that then commercial organizations? Is it companies or is it universities or is it a combination of the two? Well, I mean, the way we work is we, we look at a combination of two because we look at the synergies that, you know, corporates, which is commercial, yep. can also provide to education institutes or not-for-profits like us. So that's the synergy that we are essentially looking at. Right. So it's across the board, really. It is. It is indeed. Yeah. That, that sounds excellent. If I was a student, I'd be, uh, I'd be going for it myself. <laughs> past that stage, I'm afraid. Um, there are also the, the, the top Dutch sectors, which are... Uh, there's various expertise in the Netherlands where, which, which can be shared internationally. Mm. Um, do you have benefit from those sectors in India? So if I, if I look back since the time I've joined NISO India and the, the high-profile delegation visit that has happened in India, it definitely goes to show that relationship between India and Netherlands is strengthening, uh, not just in the top sectors, but I would say in also, you know, it's overspilling right, in other right. sectors this also. A new relationship is, a warmer relationship is being developed? Right. Uh, absolutely, because when Prime Minister Ruti was there uh, last year in May 2018, uh, we could see a lot of MOUs were being signed in water management. I beg your pardon, MOUs? It's Memorandum of Understanding. Ah, yes, thank you. Um, yes, so so they were being signed between in the top sectors uh, such as agriculture, uh, water management, uh, and there are not so top sectors such as, you know, startups, uh, smart cities, but I could also see that impact has been quite significant in these sectors as well. Are you feeling, are you getting more interest from Dutch institutions in India now, do you think, as a result of these initiatives? I, I would, I mean, I wouldn't uh, really be able to say because of these initiatives, the engagement has increased, but the engagement is increasing with each uh, passing year for sure. Uh, one of the primary reasons why I see the engagement is increasing is because of the number of students, uh, the quality students uh, that India is, is providing Netherlands, uh, and also the top sectors that you mentioned uh, that we were discussing is also providing a lot of platform opportunities, job opportunities, not just for Indians, but also for Netherlands. Right. Um, uh, India has a historical relationship with Great Britain. Um, how does that work with the Netherlands? There's not such a well-known historical link. Um, I'm my background is I have a British passport and a Dutch passport. So there I, you go. <laughs> I'm from two both areas, so I'm familiar. But I have chosen for for the Dutch, um, uh, and I would like to know from you how that works within India. Uh, is there a bias towards towards British and English speaking educational institutes, or are people understanding that the Netherlands perhaps has a special offering? 
Interesting, because I worked uh, previously in British Council and from there what I could gauge uh, was uh, since we were a colonized country also uh, by the British, uh, usually there has been an interest among Indians uh, to go to UK for higher studies. Uh, but the recent trend has been uh, maybe due to Brexit, I don't know, uh, that people are more and more looking to European uh, countries uh, like Netherlands, like Germany, uh, and particularly Netherlands, because of the language it makes, because we have been speaking in English, uh, you know, since the time we enrolled in ourselves in schools. Mm. So we are very uh, familiar with the language. And in Netherlands, you don't feel the difference at all. You feel very much at home. Uh, with the English language. With the English yes. language, I yes. mean. Are you learning Dutch now? Uh not yet, because because I, I truly feel that I don't have to force myself to learn the language. Uh, Netherlands is a very liberal, open country, very welcoming to international students if yes. they speak English. Yes. So I don't I don't find it necessary yet. But when I do, I definitely will learn the language. Excellent, excellent. It's it's a long but fulfilling road. Yeah. I can say out of personal experience. Great. Um, Maybe I can take lessons from you. Oh, <laughs> no, no, from my children, perhaps. But anyway, we won't go into that. What are the opportunities for Dutch students in India? I think the main reason why Dutch students should uh, look at India, uh, because India offers a kaleidoscopic view. Uh, it's a country which is... Which is uh, very chaotic, but you kind of fill in those chaos and you kind of adapt to your surroundings. So as an individual, you have much more cognizance of your surroundings. So mm. so that exposure, that experience, I feel is essentially important as an individual. Um, but also education-wise, in India also has to offer some very reputed uh, Indian institutes. I mean, you might be aware of it, but there are some Nobel laureates from India. I mean, uh, the number zero, algebra, you, these are some of the findings of Indians. So in that sense, and engineers, it's pretty much in the DNA. So in that sense, you know, Dutch students, if they come and study or maybe do some internship in India, not just the cultural experience that they will get, but educationally, right. also critically thinking and the surrounding, it's a holistic development, I would say. Oh, interesting. Um, what are you working on right now? And uh, what, could you describe your team at uh, Novik India and NASO India? Uh, so we are including me four team members. We are a very small team. Uh, 14? Four. One, oh, I beg yeah, your pardon. Four, one, two, four, three, four yes, yeah. four. That's a compact uh, yes, team. Yes, we are a very small team and we share uh, our office space with the uh, Consul General in Bangalore. So we are the education segment. I mean, Although we look over pan-India activities, but we had to select a position and we chose uh, Bangalore as the position. Right. Uh, my team members include Education Promotion Officer. His name is Shubrato. Uh, there's an Alumni Officer. His name is Aaron. And there is a uh, Finance and Operations Officer whose name is Rakesh. We are a relatively new team, young blood, uh, a lot of passion and dedication in the work that we do. So we, we believe in teamwork Great. more than anything else, particularly because we are such a small team. We can't uh, survive uh, independently. So we need each other. But going back to your question about the work uh, that we are currently focusing on, uh, yes, I mean, um, there is an agreement. Uh, it's known as Science Engineering Research Board. It's an Indian uh, government organization. Right. And they are looking for a government entity, uh, a not-for-profit entity, uh, to sign agreement so that, you know, faculty exchange programs can start between Indian institutes and Dutch institutes. So I'm leading on that. Oh, great. And one thing's shape up once I'm back in India uh, after the meeting. Uh, Nafik is going to take a final look. And if things fall through, uh, we are going to sign the MOU with them. And then we'll start exchanging 
exchange programs between some premium institutes in India with some premium Dutch institutes. Great. Um, just for the listeners' benefit, we're sitting here in a very warm studio in Utrecht in the Netherlands because of the great meeting that you guys are having uh, among different uh, NASO uh, organizers. Um, how are you finding that yourself here do you, with these colleagues from all over the world? I don't mind the heat. I love the heat coming from a tropical country. Um, I love coming to Netherlands for various reasons, uh, but the topmost reason is I love uh, interacting, meeting with people, exchanging ideas, exchanging information. Uh, because sometimes as an individual, when I reflect or introspect, uh, I get stuck with my thoughts or maybe I'm repeti repetitive with what I'm doing. But only when I meet people, go out, step out of my comfort zone, that's when I get new ideas, new challenges and new skills to develop. Yeah. Have you, are you meeting colleagues over here who have similar situations as yourself or have you not been able to get into into the into the nitty gritty of that yet. So when you see a similar situation, well, because they're all from NASA offices uh, all over the world. Yeah. Um, are there specific things that you find that you have to deal with in India that you can have a chat to perhaps Mervin from South Africa about, and you have similar experiences and can exchange ideas? Of course, of course. We always share uh, knowledge and experiences with each other. So whenever I'm stuck with something, I reach out to my head office or I reach out to my colleagues in maybe Africa, maybe Vietnam. But also the challenges that each country faces, it's very different from what we face because every country has its own dynamics, right. which is not going to be... The solution, is, it can't be a band-aid solution. The solution needs to come from the local context. Dutch higher education institutions have dedicated agents in India. Could you explain that construction? It's not one that I'm familiar with. Um, well, as far as my understanding goes, uh, there are some uh, agents uh, who works with Dutch institutes, but some works on an ad hoc or a consultancy basis, and some are under their payroll or nominated by the universities. Right. Um, to name few, uh, University of Twente uh, has an agent in, in the southern part of India and who has been doing some remarkable work right. uh, in recruiting students. Uh, then Kroningen also has an agent up in the north in Delhi side. Uh, there is VU, there is Saxion University, uh, there is Rotterdam uh, School, Rotterdam also. They, they are all clubbing together, but it's on an ad hoc basis. It's not a very regular flow. Is it because the country is so big or is it because India is a very interesting, is in an interesting phase of its development now? What would you say? Uh, I think both, uh, to be very honest. Uh, of course, we have a huge population. We are very diverse. India will give you a kaleidoscopic view. So you need local presence to understand the market there. So that, that is one of the reasons. Uh, and the other reasons also the development that is currently shaping up. Uh, I mean, internationalization in India is very, it's like a, you know, buzzword. Right. Uh, meaning, uh, you know, the middle class is growing in India. Uh, and the middle class is the educated class who has purchasing power parity. And they, they all, the parents works in, you know, big corporate organizations. So they are saving money already for the children to send them abroad. So, you know, self-financing is what they're already those thinking thoughts about. Are there in so the internationalization of education, which is yeah, like your core business, yep. is is growing and is very lively at this moment in Indian, in Indian evolution. It is, it is, it is very much growing and yeah. What is the image of the Netherlands education system and its institutions in India? Is there an image or is it they just think that it's a country with cows? Definitely not. I mean, the people look at Netherlands as, as a country which has to offer quality education. There are, there are 
12, 13 research institutes that that ranks uh, in the world top ranking, and Indians are also very much driven by ranking. Uh, but having said that, uh, th you will also find Indian students who doesn't know that you know Netherlands or Holland. It's it's the same right. country, right. same entity. So we are not really targeting uh, the the billions of population that's there in India. We are only looking at the very specific, the niche, the interested ones, the quality ones, who can contribute in the economy of both the countries and right. strengthen uh, the bilateral relations. So students who are already have a curiosity about the specialisms which are True. available in the Netherlands, which could be applied in India, Absolutely. such as agriculture and water, Absolutely. would be two examples that would come to my mind. Absolutely. Um, you have some uh, interesting initiatives taking place in, in India right now, I gather, um, with a collaboration between Indian and Dutch government bodies with uh, Living Lab eHealth. What is that exactly for me who has knows nothing about it at all? <laughs> well, uh, just to give you an overview in a nutshell, uh, so Innovation Atashe is also a department in the uh, Bangalore office uh, within under the Consul General in Bangalore. Right, so that's not, sorry just to interrupt you there, but that's not NISO, that's the office next door, as yes, it were. Yes, yes. Your neighbours. Yes, our neighbours. But we do a lot of collaboration and working together. So although they are neighbours, we are partners and team members uh -huh. working so in Living Lab. So you have an extra network attached. Yes. Thanks to the neighbours. Yes, thanks to the neighbours. Because because of the neighbours, now we are focusing on, uh, you know, e-health particularly because uh, health is a very important and a... Uh, so you mean, sorry to interrupt you once again, I just want to get this straight for me. Uh, e-health, you're talking about health advice via internet, is that correct or is it something else? It's, it's designing apps. So there are Indian institutes and Dutch institutes who have come together from Dutch side, it is Maastricht University, who together with Indian University Manipal in the southern part, they, are, they have come together and now they are developing an app uh, which will be able to monitor, uh, you know, your, your blood pressure, you know, different kind of things. Right. And to begin with, there are students and faculty members who are involved in developing this app. Uh, so once the project comes through, we will start with the exchange program of students and then the faculty exchange programs. But I know there are Dutch professors from Maastricht who are already in Manipal, uh, started the first, uh, you know, segment of the Living Lab project. Oh, cool. Excellent. That sounds like something which could have a much wider uh, attraction in the end. I think more than attraction, the social impact of, of this kind of a collaboration is very significant and relevant in today's time. Uh, and health being so expensive uh, in India, particularly when you when you come up with these kind of modern technology, these advanced technologies, uh, I think a lot of people are going to benefit uh, from the outcome. Is there is the just as a question for me? Is the smartphone well? Uh, do a lot of people have smartphones in India? To, can, yes. can they get the app? Yes, yeah, so there there has been an uh, you know uh, how do you say that communication revolution in India. So internet is spread across. Uh, but having said that, there are some very remote areas in India who do not have access to smartphone. So I will definitely not uh, make a blanket statement that say, saying that you know this kind of an app is going to cover the length and breadth of the country. No, mm -hmm. but it will impact the majority of the people. Right. So most people have a smartphone. So most people could access such an app. Yes. Which means that it would have a much higher impact. Yes. Uh, than one might think. Yeah. yeah. Great. Um, also, uh, alumni are very important, I gather, uh, to NESO alum of NUFIC alumni uh, who have been through a course, who have had some previous experience in education. Uh, they get together and exchange information. Um, can you give some examples of alumni activities or, or what, what, what do alumni do in India? Yeah, I think 
we consider them to be the most important stakeholders in our web. Uh, oh, right. You know, if I map my web, I think alumni, I would point them as the most important uh, stakeholders. Reason being, they are our ambassadors in their own way. Right. They have experienced this journey, the struggle, the challenges and have come back uh, with the wealth of information. And they are ready to, uh, you know, spread it across, cascade it uh, to the Indian society for the benefit of the larger audience. Uh, what we essentially do with them, how do we involve them is we try to see if there is a career opportunity that we come across maybe in the diplomatic section or maybe you know through some uh, dutch organization right we circulated within our alumni database we in fact are planning to organize a career event for alumni that's going to happen sometime later uh, in the year nice. but currently what we are focusing on uh, because in india as you might also know uh, deforestation is, is is becoming quite uh, prevalent uh, so we are trying to make those small small steps uh, uh, together with shell in bangalore right. where they have huge uh, acres of land and we said that uh, you know we would like to use your acre of land to do some plantation activities and we got um, tremendous support from the alumni ah, to great. participate and we got in touch with another organization who are experts in plantation within a short span of time and that's going to happen pretty much next month oh, great. so so these are also some activities social uh, you know realizing the compelling issues that we face in our society and we get support from the alumni to execute that events but we also uh, work with alumni for their career development having said that the most important thing before i forget it is uh, whenever we do a counseling session or a pre-departure briefing session, it's the alumni who leads in these sessions. Right, they exchange their information Absolutely. with the students who are, who are pre-alumni, I've discovered. Absolutely. Yeah. But also what is important is there are some really, uh, you know, alumni who have, uh, you know, broken the glass ceiling. Um, so that's also a newsworthy story for us to inspire other students. Uh, yes, and they become more senior, they, have a, become, they get a senior role in their society. Mm. And that can uh, be real uh, yeah. role models for the students and alumni below them. Yeah. I gather that, the, that this is a great way of passing the message on Absolutely. and also demonstrating Absolutely. the benefits. Absolutely. So in, in that sense, I think alumni are the most important stakeholders for us. And we engage and involve and try to follow them as to what activities they are uh, engaged in and tell their story to the world. Yeah, excellent. Great. Um, Training Indian high school counsellors is also something that you're busy with. Could you explain that a little bit? Because high schools, higher education doesn't sound quite right. This is interesting because uh, uh, I always look at data to, to strategize my year plan. Uh, and when I was looking at data from last year, I realized that uh, there's a lot of scope in terms of, you know, bachelor students to boost uh, bachelor students in the Netherlands. Uh, but then again, uh, we have to think about how we can do that qualitatively. Uh, and not just, you know, quantity. Right. So in order to attract quality students, uh, I realized that let's get in touch with all the reputed high schools in India, uh, because India is a huge country, we can't just go north, south, east, west. So we decided let's go in Mumbai because what I my findings were Mumbai has the highest number of uh, reputed uh, high schools and also Delhi. And Delhi ha has the embassy. So right. we got the support from the embassy. We got uh, the student counselors from high schools, uh, 10 reputed high schools in Delhi and started talking to them and started telling them about higher studies in the Netherlands. And then what we realized is they have never... Uh, you know, had these kind of an exposure to the Dutch 
uh, higher education for bachelor's program and they were very excited about it because this is something which USA and UK keeps on doing uh, every year. Right. And that's how these student counselors from the high school only talks about USA and UK to their students and they don't mention about Netherlands. Ah, great. And since I could see there is an opportunity and since I could see there was a gap, I said, let's uh, organize train the trainer programs because I could actually see that uh, a lot of potential is there to get quality students at the bachelor's level as well. Right. And also, as far as I understand it, there was participation of Dutch institutions and universities as well with this program. Is that correct? Uh, for this program, particularly, no. Uh, we just wanted to do it at a generic level, explaining to the teachers just what's awareness, the awareness uh, that, 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 that uh, there is this opportunity in Correct. the first place. Correct. But it's, it's a really relevant question, nonetheless, because the idea was we wanted to do it as a trial and error, the first step. And then on the basis of the feedback which we got, which was great, we decided we can move on to the next level and now invite the Dutch universities to join us for Train the Trainers where they can specifically talk about their bachelor's program and, you know, create interest uh, among the mass. In the first half of the day and the second half of the day, we open the floor to the students, to the parents for bachelor's and master's level for a direct interaction uh, with Dutch uh, universities. Oh, excellent. So that's a whole new market, really. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a pretty... Uh, whole new market uh, for bachelors, I would say, and masters has already been there. But again, when I say whole new market, don't get me wrong, uh, the focus is to get quality. <laughs> exactly. No, you're very clear on that. Thank you very much. But that's absolutely uh, uh, clear to me and the listener, I'm sure. You have quite a number of successful activities already at NASO uh, India. Could you give me a, a sketch me a couple of those projects uh, which, you've, which you feel have been particularly successful? Sure. Uh, I, I can't. Re I can't rate it in that order as the first. Or no, the second, sure. It's not. A, it's just... not. A, it's not a beauty contest. <laughs> uh, we can certainly just just mention the projects which yeah. perhaps mean the most to you. Yeah. Uh, so last year in, in November, uh, there were some students who were cherry picked uh, from an Indian institute in Bangalore uh, by the government of Karnataka, together with. Uh, the, the Hague Center for Strategic Studies uh, for a cybersecurity program. It was an exchange program where Indian students would go to Hague. And it was completely funded by the Indian uh, government of Karnataka. And once the students went there, they came back, I, I, we really started thinking how we can, you know, cascade the information and, and position Dutch higher education, telling other Indian audience how... Uh, how the expertise that Netherlands has to offer in cybersecurity. And that's when we came up with the idea of a workshop with these students who went to Netherlands. And in the workshop, it was the government who organized the workshop. So basically it was plug and play for us, but we had to curate the entire workshop right from the scratch. So we were, we, we thought of, you know, taking ideas from fake news to, uh, uh, how do you say that, uh, blockchain. And of course, it was the student who were also brainstorming with us because they were the ones who were the actual... Right, they'd uh, actually got the information and the knowledge. Exactly. So, um, and, and they said that we would deal with fake news and they were so involved in the whole workshop, they developed placards and we got a good 70 students from different education institutes across Bangalore to participate in the workshop. It was a closed-door workshop just to maintain the, the, the quality of the workshop. And uh, our ambassador uh, to India, uh, Martin Vandenberg, was there and he did the opening and he also launched the Orange Tulip Scholarship, which was hugely covered uh, by the Indian media. Uh, and thereafter, we kicked off the workshop and 
after we collected the feedback from the uh, from the students they all said that we did not realize you know netherlands is such a leading country in cyber securities uh, you know how can we also gain some information some knowledge and thankfully there was a representative from hake center for strategic studies who kind of uh, assisted and supported the students how they can also sign up and of course there is a very strict uh, screening mechanism for selection for sure it sounds like a quite a tough a tough uh, selection procedure yeah yeah so that's something i'm really extremely proud of because there was nothing in place and you curate and come up with it and when you realize when you get the feedback from the students and they give you good rating i think that's that makes everything it's great to create something out of nothing and okay. it, and for the audience to really appreciate it yeah. and for the information to get across and people learning something new about the country yeah. which is part of part of your role i assume yeah. Any other projects that you're particularly um, uh, uh, proud of, or, or that you feel were particularly successful? Uh, yes, I mean uh, this is something I wouldn't say I did it in. We did it in isolation. Let me use the word we then I because it's a team uh, that we work together. Uh, but this is something just came out from the blue where uh, embassy and us we were discussing. You know, we should uh, really promote the cultural aspect of Netherlands also. Now what can be done? So they said that we have some budget. Let's uh, do something creative. Why not we organize a quiz competition? So let's say let's do two chapters: one in Delhi and the other chapter in Bangalore. And we were leading in Bangalore, and this is really interesting because we had no idea that there are these huge quiz clubs that exists in India, and people will literally <laughs> fight to get into that club. No, so this like a quiz, a whole quiz culture that you did not know existed. We we had no inkling about it, but after we kind of rolled out the the quiz competition details and we said that the winners will get flight tickets to Amsterdam. That's insane! Like for <laughs> students. <laughs> but the quiz was about uh, Dutch culture, then was it? It was, was essentially about Dutch culture, cheese, clogs, windmills. But it was very tricky. It was extremely tricky because. Uh, the students who participated, let me tell you that they are experts. They are veterans in quiz, and the, the, these were not easy questions to answer. No, and then you had the entire quiz world enter your competition, and and within within few days, our likes for the post went up to lakhs. Fantastic. Any other things you would like us to touch on in this conversation? I, I already spoke about uh, Living Lab, so I'm not uh, getting into the details of it. Uh, but with with some of the, you know, the Orange Tulip scholarships that we have, we have also been a little creative, I must say. Right. Uh, so we, we try to not just say that, hey, this is the scholarship that is being awarded, but we try to create uh, some unique uh, post saying that, are you a, you know, engineer? Would you like to, you know, try out a new country or things like that and that's how we also promote what it sounds like to me is that you're working with a very innovative team coming up with new ideas of the way to spread information like i mentioned we have an education promotion officer uh, shubroto so he is extremely uh, well uh, versed with the digital uh, market right so, so he's, he's doing creative innovation yes. uh, on that level yes so what we also try to do is use use his expertise to create these bi-monthly flash notes which we send out to dutch universities because we always can't stay connected with them you know every month so that's a way to disseminate information and to let them know that this is these are the activities that we are doing in case you're interested in any of the activity just reach out to us so these yeah. are some of the creative ways that we are you know cascading information right so i'm a dutch student obviously i'm not but were i a dutch student 
sell me India? Why should I go to an Indian university and get information over there and get involved in in a, in a in a course, in a PhD, in a in a in a networking session? So India is a very chaotic but beautiful country. Uh, but also, what you don't know about India is uh, we are a country that really thrives when we you know connect with like-minded people when we critically think. And if you are a candidate who can just put put aside the the prejudices that you have about a particular region, about a country, and want to explore what a new region has to offer in terms of creative thinking, in terms of doing things together, in terms of impacting the society, that's why you should choose and uh, come to India. Because that's where you, you will realize that how strangers can also get together and maybe create a drone. So So that's the reason I think you should come and visit India. Great. Thanks very much. Um, final thought on projects which you have felt in the past, in the recent past, which have uh, gone well? Um, currently, like I said, we are working with Infosys strongly, a giant multinational Indian organization to bring in international uh, talented Dutch students uh, to India for a paid internship program. I'm really looking forward because we already have some students from Amsterdam and TU Delft who are also traveling uh, to India. But yes, I would, I would like to invite all the other Dutch universities to get in touch with us and to explore the possibilities and to let that learning, uh, you know, learning curve just grow bigger and bigger. Uh, apart from this, uh, about the state visit, like I mentioned in October, it's a brilliant platform where the Indian government institutes are you know, coming together. It's difficult to find the Indian uh, uh, officials, high-profile officials, uh, that easily. But that pl platform is going to offer these Indian um, professionals and the Indian institutes. So if Dutch institutes also joins in, then it's a perfect platform to collaborate, to research, to discuss, to work uh, together. Uh, and also positioning Dutch higher education is the most important underlining aspect for this. So these are the two important things that currently we are focusing on. But simultaneously, of course, there is there are scholarships that's, that's being offered. Uh, there are pre-departure briefings that we are organizing for Indian students who will be traveling in Netherlands and uh, various other activities that keeps on coming up, you know, when it particularly entailing to education sector. Right. That's great. Now we're rounding off to the tourism board part of this podcast. Um, if somebody were to visit Bangalore and wanted to just get some insider information what could you do that nobody else has done it's not in the tourist guide it's not something which you're going to find do you have a secret tip or two for a visitor to bangalore well i i definitely do have but i don't know how much your tummy is going to live up to that uh, tip or advice well we indians are extremely foodie by nature yes i i often get to hear from my colleagues that it's a little too spicy so i will suggest something which is not so spicy so there is a samosa which is an indian snack it's like a finger food uh, they're triangles, right? Absolutely. They're triangles uh, and they, they, it's filled in with potato, mashed potato and some, some spices and, and uh, things like that. It's very flavorful. Uh, you usually have it with tea. Um, yeah, I would advise that when you're visiting India, go for a samosa snack break. Tea and samosas. I'm, I'm on it. I want it. I hope your tummy can and take I up. I think the <laughs> so. Well, we, we'll have to see. I'll have to try. Sounds fantastic. Yes. Thank you very much for coming in and being our second podcast guest. I wish you lots of success with your programs in India and hope to speak to you again sometime soon. And 
to all those institutions out there who may be listening to this podcast, if you want to do some business in India, you have to get in touch with Anwesha. Thank you so much, Mike. Thank you. Do you want to know more about the work of Nuffix Nesso offices or do you want to get in touch with one of our people abroad? Don't hesitate to contact us. You can find contact information on our website www.nuffic.nl/internationaloffices. Did you like this podcast? Please subscribe to our series on your podcast app so you will get a notification when the next episode is published. On our online content platform www.nuffic.nl/longreads, you can regularly find new blogs, long read articles, podcasts and videos about internationalization in education. You can also subscribe to our monthly newsletter on this platform.